Podcast episode 320. Your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And man, this time of year, I start thinking about baseball. Get excited for it. Baseball ends around Halloween, around election time. And then there's a bunch of darkness, a bunch of holidays that you have to sort of deal with and wrestle with. And I know that's not exactly the rosiest outlook, but that's sort of the way I experience the holidays. It's February. This is about the time when pitchers and catchers report to spring training. You start getting glimmers of hope for the part of the year that I tend to enjoy a little bit more. The sun comes out a little bit longer. It's not quite so dark at like 4.30 in the afternoon. And the promise of baseball is on the horizon. But currently, the players are locked out. That's the way things have gone. I hope everyone comes to an agreement. The players get what's equitable to them. And we have a season this year. But... I'm not going to let some little lockout prevent me from talking baseball with someone who I like, respect, and deeply admire. My guest this week is Jenny Kavnar. Jenny is a broadcaster with the Colorado Rockies. You typically see her on AT&T Sportsnet. She has some other gigs that she does. She calls college basketball and a handful of other things. But I am most intimately familiar with her from her work broadcasting for the Colorado Rockies. Now, it bears mention... I also remember Jenny from her time in student media at CSU. She hosted Sports Fest on CTV with my friend Chris Dittmer, who, by the way, I owe a thank you to for hooking this episode up. Reached out to Chris. I go, hey, man, I remember you took a photo with Jenny a while ago when you were at Coors Field. I know you guys hosted together. Do you have her contact info? Do you think she'd be on my show? God, within like, I don't know, an hour, if that, he got back to me. He goes, yep, here you go. Reach out to her. She knows it's coming. Geez, man, that's a good friend. Thank you. What a hookup. And for me, it's just so cool that this person who I used to watch in college is now calling my hometown baseball team. She's a Colorado native. She got to come back home, work for the hometown club. We talk about that story. So going from CSU out to LA for a little while into Michigan, a detour to San Diego, finally landing back here. We cover that whole story. And what would this episode be? And I'm sure she's had to tell this story a million times at a million different outlets, especially ones bigger than here. But she tells the story of becoming the first female broadcaster to call a game in 25 years and what that was like. We also talk about her iconic home run call, which the first time she unleashed it, it's on a Nolan Arenado. It's not a no-doubter. I watched the video. I will link to it. So look for it on the companion blog piece on johnofalltrades.us. It's not a no-doubter. Spilly says it is. No way. I say Spilly's wrong, and as a former guest, I can take that argument with him, right? Spilly, you're wrong about that. It's not a no-doubter. But she gets the call. It's so cool-sounding, and she just absolutely crushes it. Jenny is an incredible talent, a very talented broadcaster, and an incredible conversationalist. We had a great time. I don't remember any times where we like legitimately crossed paths in college. I always knew who she was. Just when you're down in student media, you're kind of aware of who the personalities are. But I don't think we ever spent any time together, which is also weird because she was also a major in speech communication. No matter, we met here, we had a great episode, and I cannot wait to bring it to you. But first, got to give a little love to our sponsor. Four Degrees, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, Four Degrees will help you do it better. 
If you're doing some sort of campaign, whether it's through email, social media, online advertising, Four Degrees understands the platforms, they get the message right, and then they deploy it in a way where the people who need to see your message most do, you turn that into campaign success. So no matter if it's a political campaign or some sort of promotional campaign, you're trying to get your name out there, you're trying to turn leads into conversions, Four Degrees can help you do that. They're amazing what they do. They've been with me now for almost eight years, and I'm proud to plug them. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Now, here's the reason we're all here. Let's listen to Jenny Kavnar. We had a great conversation. I'm proud to feature her work. It was an enormous privilege. You're going to love this episode. Episode 320 of the John of All Trades podcast features Jenny Kavnar, and it starts right now. Yeah, that place was the worst. They had like a, a binder of them. Um, we, we actually went to the suite a lot. We were suite 152 people. Oh, boy. I know. It's embarrassing. What was the spot that closed that was like quarter night over off the Sullivan's. Yeah. yeah. We went to Sullivan's a lot. The other one downtown that had like Thursday night. I think it was Thursday nights for their specials. That could be any bar, really, because, I mean, up there, oh. you, you could drink Fat Tire for a dollar any night of the week. Have you been up there recently? Yeah, I did. I called the game on Friday night. I called oh, the CSU right. game on Fox Sports 1. I forgot that, yeah. Is that weird, going up there and calling the school of which you were an alumni? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it was weird because it's never been like that. I've never seen a crowd like that. Yeah, and they crushed, right? Wasn't it? Or not, They didn't crush, but it was like a cool game, right? It was a cool game. They were crushing. They were up by 20, and then all of a sudden it was a two-point game, and then all of a sudden San Diego State took their first lead under a minute. <laughs> oh, gosh. They went back and forth, and then they won, and the, the, the fans rushed the court. And it was cool. It was an orange out. Everyone, uh, everyone puckers up when that happens. That's always, uh, that's always a real thing. So this is Jenny Kavnar, and you are broadcaster with the Rockies. You also broadcast a number of other things. You are a former reporter at CTV at uh C- up at csu and what am i missing uh fellow ram and we owe a shout to chris dittmer who connected us diddy my <laughs> guy yeah uh chris and i were the co-hosts of sports fest which was the monday night show on ctv the half hour roundup show i was so a regular was viewer of that partner in crime i'm sure you had a drinking game at some at some point in time about you know when we'd mess up or uh our clutch or crutch words, I should say. No, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to do CTV and really like a good, you know, looking back, just such, such cool experiences that we got to have. Think about like the football team then and oh, the basketball team that went to the NCAA tournament in 2003. We covered some cool Rams teams um, and it was great just the beginning getting into the business. Well, and the volleyball team was always great back then too. Yes. Yes. I mean, Tom Hilbert always brings it right They're They're good year in and year out. Totally. I knew Dittmer because he like he hosted the Ramblers on KCSU and I was a radio guy. And then he was also station manager there. And so how how he fit all this in, I don't remember. But I will say I had a class with him because we were the same major. We were speech communication. And he's like, dude, I got to pay more attention to school. I'm starting to shit the bed this semester. And I go, well, you're probably down broadcasting too much, dude. But uh, you guys on Monday nights, I, it was great. I always enjoyed it. I thought you did a nice job. Yeah, we had fun. We had a really fun crew. And 
Uh, I was a speech comm major too. So I was a double major. I, I did, you know, Chris and I were kind of on the same wavelength. Like I was double majoring. I was working at CTV. I played the club lacrosse and I also worked full time uh, at Clear Channel. Oh, geez. Um, so I, I wore myself thin in college too, but uh, I'm so grateful for all the experiences. I couldn't, I had nothing to give up. I loved doing everything so much. So. <laughs> well, I mean, that makes good sense. And I mean, look where it's brought you to today, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel like the hustle, uh, it, it prepared me for a lot of things in life. Probably prepared me more for being a working mom than anything, right? Juggling everything. We have two little kids. I have a four and a half year old and a 10 month old and, um, so, you know, to be a mom and try and do all that, plus do our careers and travel when we used to travel pre COVID and all the things is, uh, it's a lot of juggling, but yeah, had some practice in college, I guess. Well, when dude, I had more energy. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that, uh, that's very true because my kids, I'm like right there with you. My kids are five and seven. Oh yeah. And so like, I mean, that first year too, I mean, it's, you're in the trenches, like it's no joke. And so. I was curious about this because as a broadcaster, as someone who is on TV and on the radio, that's typically an eight <laughs> perfect question here. That's typically an atypical schedule mm-hmm. where, you know, you are working when a lot of people are having downtime, like the Rockies typically play at night. A good friend of mine is Reed Saunders and he works a day job and then does that uh, as the yeah. public address announcer. And so I'm curious, is that type of schedule, how hard is that to balance being a parent with that type of schedule or does that sometimes work to your advantage? Yeah, I think right now it works to our advantage, right? Like when your kids are younger, because, um, during a baseball season, a baseball schedule, we have random days off, right? Like a Monday off or a Tuesday off. Um, once our kids get going, I mean, our son's in preschool right now, but once our kids get to elementary school age, uh, there'll be, you know, its own challenges because you're probably saying goodbye to your kids in the morning. And then if you have a night game, you're gone before they get home from school. So you're not seeing them all day. But again, I like to think then in the off season, we get a lot more time together. So it's just about trying to maximize the time that you do get. Uh, my husband is also a Denver firefighter. So he's on firefighter schedule. Wow. And same, it's very unusual, like for him to be gone 24 hours, but then the time he does get with the kids the next two days um, is really cool. So we always try and look at it in a positive light. I think if we were both working a nine to five job, like we wouldn't have as much time, total time in a month that we actually do get with our kids. And I try and always think about the unique experiences I'm giving to them, you know, hopefully uh, as they grow up and see more, they're realizing, you know, like the passion that I do have for my job and and hopefully being able to utilize the platform I do have to do good in the community on some level too. Um, And and they can see that in good light, but they can also remember the games they got to go to or the people they got to meet and kind of just, it might be a different upbringing in that regard, but um, the trips they got to take, you know, spring training and uh, getting to see different ballparks. Vincent, our son has been to, I think he's been to almost 10 ballparks and he's four years old. Like, wow. so that's a pretty cool thing. You know, I don't know how long it'll last, but hopefully one day he can look back at the pictures if he doesn't remember and at least say like, that's something that he got to do. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I am f- like 40 and I think 10 is the number of ballparks I've been to as well. So like, you know, he's going to lap me in no time, <laughs> which, uh, which is really cool. Stadiums and he'll have to get back around. Right. So, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean that's that's like just the perks. We try we try and live in the perks. The hard times. Um, I think being a parent, uh, being a mom, especially mom guilt, right? That's a big thing. But yeah. being a parent is it's hard to keep your feet on the ground. It's hard when you're home uh, to to not be like trying to get ahead at work. It's hard when you're at work to not be thinking about home. And I, I've always tried to just maintain like can't do much about the other side, like where you aren't physically at the moment. Um, easier said than done, yeah. but I try in the hard times to remember that and, and just know like if I'm giving it my all when I am with my kids, then I'm doing it right. If I'm giving it my all at work when I'm there, I'm doing it right. But again, the balance is so challenging. So it's a, it's a daily struggle and daily reminder, but uh, you know, we're, we're efforting. <laughs> That's right. Well, Jenny, you bring up an interesting point. I, so two questions. One, for let's say, I mean, the Rockies typically first pitch is what, like six o'clock or so, right? That, that's when the game yeah, itself 40, starts. Six forty. Yeah. So, how far in advance are you getting to the ballpark? Because then, yeah, so the game goes from six forty to, let's call it average three hour game, right? So that game ends nine forty, <laughs> ten o'clock. You never know with baseball, especially. But, um, so, I mean, that's three hours right there. How far in advance are you getting to the park? And then what does your day look like? What kind of prep are you doing? Yeah, I think baseball, uh, more than any other sport, lends itself to the build, right? Like, you're playing almost every day. The teams are playing almost every day. You're at the ballpark almost every day. So, in terms of, like, you know, the preparation, there is a lot of it. And I can detail all that out for you. But the idea in baseball is, like, you're not stopping. It's just continuous for an entire <laughs> Like once you're in the wash, like you're going, you're on, you're on the cycle and see you in September, October. Basketball is a little different because every game is like a preparation in and of itself. You're, the teams are scheming for each other. You know, there, there's a lot more build on like watching film and you know getting to know players when I'm calling college basketball versus like a baseball season again, when you're there every single day. But my prep typically, depending on what I'm doing that night, I'll just say hosting pre and post game show since that's what I do mostly is, uh, you know, waking up in the morning, I have quick pitch from MLB network, um, just on DVR. So I try and watch that so I can catch all the highlights of other games around the league. If I didn't get them the night before, just skim the storylines. You know, you're making sure you didn't miss anything that happened in the clubhouse after the game. So you're Rockies heavy. And then you're, you know, checking around the NLS because that's the teams you play the most. And then kind of baseball uh, in total. And then as the day goes on, you're getting phone calls. Like producers are calling me, game producers are calling me, uh, pregame producers are calling me. We're having conversations about an upcoming series or that show or the producer for our weekly shows calling to see if I'm available for an interview to do later that week. And so there's just kind of a lot of, um, I guess, administrative work that people don't see happening in the middle of the day. Uh, I'm trying to sneak in a workout or justify a workout by wearing workout clothes all day and then pretending (laughs) that it happened. Trying to spend time with my kids, trying to get, you know, the laundry done, all those things at home. And then, yeah, for the 640 start, I'm at the ballpark usually by three o'clock. you know, a little bit earlier, if you're reporting, I'm definitely there earlier. Um, and things have changed a little bit since COVID, but uh, pre-COVID, it would be I'd get there by the time the clubhouse opens, check around the clubhouse. Sometimes I have notes that I want to follow up on with a guy. And again, most of this stuff is off camera. It's just for my knowledge. Yeah. Um, and then it's moving on to like, you know, knowing when the manager's speaking for the Rockies, knowing when the manager's speaking for the other team, uh, getting out to batting practice. 
uh, talking to other reporters, you know, a lot of relationship stuff, again, behind behind the scenes stuff. And then um, we're typically, you know, in a meeting with our producer, going over the show again that we've already talked about earlier that day, but just kind of uh, crossing our T's, dotting our I's. I might stop in the truck to watch some elements and then getting up on set and getting ready for our six o'clock show for a 640 game. We do that typically around 530, rehearse a little bit, go over last minute notes live at six. And then at 640, once the game starts, um, it's kind of our downtime for a quick second. Catch catch a dinner during the first inning. Um, it's so funny that the game itself is your downtime. With the analyst um, to try and prep for the post-game show, which, of course, goes longer than the game time, which in your mind is an average of three hours. I like that. <laughs> I wish that was the case. Yeah, <laughs> It's a little longer. Um, and then, yeah, getting out of there around like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, um, you know, getting home and trying to wind down quick to get to bed because that alarm clock called children will wake you up at 6 a.m. <laughs> so it's, it all- it, it's like an all consuming kind of thing from what it sounds like. And a couple of things I want to call out. One, first of all, it's amusing that your downtime is actually during the game to some extent. Like, you have to be engaged with the game because, you know, you're yeah. going to talk about it when it's over. But. Uh, first of all, there's that. And then secondly, a baseball game is a long time and there's long stretches of downtime for the announcers to talk about any number of things. And you'll hear Drew or Spilly or you or whoever talk about, you know, I was speaking with so-and-so earlier today, or I was talking with them yesterday and what you're describing, it sounds like a lot of grist for the mill. So you need lots and lots of things to kind of have in the holster that you can pull out at any time during a game or during a post game or whatever. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, um, again, I'm kind of in college basketball mode right now. So I compare it to like, uh, my background is heavy and storytelling. So when I started calling play by play for college basketball, I was doing a lot of that, like detailing a lot of storylines and realizing once, you know, once tip off happened, you're maybe you'll get like 2% of your stories in because the action is so constant. Yeah. Well, to your point, the action in baseball can be so minimal. I mean, there might be a home run in the second inning and that's the final score one to nothing. And that was your call. And that was, you know, really the action and maybe the, the, the pitchers on the other side and the strikeouts. So the, the downtime of storytelling becomes so important. And I think by nature, um, the game lends itself to that. When you're a fan, when you go to the game, I would say there's maybe one person that's engaged in every single pitch, right? You're usually <laughs> right. there with buddies or your family and you're having a conversation about your day and then watching a pitch and then, oh, did you see that hitter? And then, oh, you're looking over here and talking about, you know, something funny that happened a couple rows down or let's go get a snack. Or, or you're cracking peanuts or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a lot going on in addition to the game at the ball game. And so it's kind of what. I think, you know, the, the, the background noise, if you will, of calling a game is about two. Most people are at home in the summer uh, watching a game, but not sitting down fully engaged. They're, they're in the other room. They're barbecuing outside. They're walking in and out. You know, they're catching up on things. And so our job is really um, to kind of sit there and, and actively watch the game, but add to it. Add to it with the stories um, the stories of the past, the history of the game, the stories of the present, um, what players are going through, their personal stories, uh, their struggles on the field, how they're fixing them. So there's a number uh, of directions to go. I think analytics, too, uh, are involved in that. But our job as announcers is, um, you know, to appeal to the mass. If we just sat there and talked numbers and analytics for three hours, you're going to turn away an entire audience. That audience I talked about, that 
enjoys having the sounds of summer on as a background noise. And that would involve you just, you know, describing the action, but also, you know, telling some more personal stories. So we're constantly talking about it and making sure we're balanced. And I think that's where our team is really good. Like we, we all have a different vested interest. And I think we bring that to the table and what we want to talk about. And I hope that shows, I mean, we're very thoughtful in uh, at least discussing it off camera of how we want to be. And so once the game is in progress and the direction we head, you know, that's kind of the hope. Well, you know, I'll tell you this, like this iteration of Rocky's broadcasting is my favorite because, and, and I would say you could attribute that to vibe because it seems like the vibe you've cultivated between Drew Goodman and Spilly and Corey Sullivan and Mark Stout and, Jeff Hewson is the other one I'm missing. And if I've missed anyone else, I apologize. I don't mean to. But any combination of the group of you, I feel like yields interesting conversations and like a nice vibe, like a good hangout vibe. That's what you want. It's almost like, you know, when you watch the NBA on TNT, you can tell that Ernie and Shaq and, you know, Kenny, they all like each other. And Charles Barkley, you go, oh, man, these guys are fun to hang out with. And I like listening to them talk about basketball. I get the same vibe from the Rockies. How quickly did that fall into place for you and, and for the team? And is my assessment kind of accurate? Well, first of all, thank you. I think that's the biggest compliment we can get because we all work really hard on that. At the same time, I think it came pretty easy. You know, I've known these guys for a really long time. I started my MLB broadcasting career in San Diego with the Padres and got the chance to know Drew and Jeff on the other side. Oh, sure. Yeah. I grew up with Drew. I grew up with Drew in my, in my head and on the TV, right? Drew was the broadcaster for the Nuggets when we were growing up here in Colorado and also for the Rockies. Um, he does Colorado. Rams games now too, like Rams football games too, doesn't he? Yeah, he did in the past and he has done them before. And yeah. And, um, and, by, had... and I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you were at, um, when you were in San Diego, was that when Dick Enberg was doing it? Dick came along, yeah, towards the end. My very first okay. year was Matt Baskurgeon. Was oh, okay. And then Mark Neely, and then, yeah, Dick Enberg was my last year there. Okay. But, yeah, and, and so getting to know, like, Jeff Houston and Drew Goodman in that regard, you know, coming over and getting to join them and be part of that broadcast team. And then something that was really fun for me uh, in 2014 when Corey Sullivan and Ryan Spielworks became analysts for us, it was this rejuvenation relationship of like they were fresh off the game and so they were bringing that perspective they were former rockies which we'd never really had in the broadcast uh and they brought that perspective of having played in the outfield at course field oh, having God. had to travel from denver and what that means like just kind of that 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 perspective again that hadn't been on tv for us before so i was learning a lot from them and at the same time like i got to be a television teacher which is so fun for me and i got to kind of teach them the ropes about our game about broadcasting about production and what that looks like so i think really early on the three of us specifically spent a lot of time together teaching each other and learning a lot from each other and it just fostered a great friendship and a great, like, I mean, I think of those guys as like my brothers and That's we have awesome. a lot of fun together off camera as well. Um, you know, add in Mark Stout, who, who just has a, such a fun history and knowledge and so goofy. And, um, you know, we all love Mark and he's kind of been the glue of the broadcast, like being able to do a little bit of everything in between all of us. So we have a really great tight knit group and, um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to kind of just watch over the years those guys grow and then grow into the current roles that they're in it's awesome i mean i've been listening to stout since he was uh on the locker room on kbpi 
with uh, a long time in the market. <laughs> yeah, with uh, D Mac and Willie. And it's funny. I interviewed Susie Borgen a while back, and so you know, the the I, I mean, this is one of the smallest towns. Uh, when you get right down to it, everyone kind of knows everyone else in one form or fashion, or at least sort of remembers, which is also why it pays not to be a jerk. But uh, so what's interesting to me is, so you grew up in Colorado, right? Okay. Aurora. Aurora. Okay. So I was the other side of town. I grew up in Golden. You go to CSU, you end up at the hometown team. That's not frequently what happens, you know, and I know you spent some time in San Diego, but I remember... When people would get like job offers, especially down at CTV, like if you were doing the news down there, you know, it's like so-and-so just became an anchor in like Pocatello, Idaho, or, you know, like took a gig in Lawrence, Kansas, or, you know, like very, very small markets because that's typically how TV works. Um, I'm curious about how you navigated this to get you to your hometown team, because that's something that I think is really, really attractive to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, it never was on my radar, to be honest. I think graduating Colorado State, I got a really cool opportunity right out of school to work for a startup company called CSTV, College Sports Television, national network, like got a national job. I was their national college sideline reporter. Dream job, done, sold, like 21 years old. Let's go. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. This is how it works. This is the magic so here I am. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I'm going to be traveling the country. I'll move to Los Angeles. My brother, that's two years older than me, had gone to Pepperdine and stayed out in that area. So it's like, oh, I'm going to live by the beach. I'm going to get on a plane every weekend. Like, wow, this is the gig. Well, two games into the college football season in 2004, they realized they were over budgeted. They start to cut camera positions. They start to cut other positions and they nix the sideline position. So I was the first one out. So right away I, I got the dream job. And I also learned in this business really quick what it meant to be laid off and kind of went back to the drawing table and ended up in Flint, Michigan. That was my first small market experience to what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, Flint was actually like a pretty decent sized market. They were market 63 and they were just outside of where the Detroit Pistons used to play at the time. So they, the Pistons basically played like halfway between Flint and Detroit. Oh, was that Auburn Hills? Yeah, in Auburn Hills. So yeah. we covered every single home Pistons game. So I was covering like a big NBA team. And then we also covered Michigan, Michigan State, which are, you know, clearly Big Ten. Like Big Ten sports were huge. And then the amount of athletes that come out of Flint, Michigan, like going to a high school basketball game was very entertaining there. High school football, very similar. Like a lot of big name athletes came out. So looking back, like it was a great experience. They used to have a big PGA tournament there, the Buick Open. I kind of got a good variety. But um, I also had an opportunity to coach lacrosse at UCLA. I played at Colorado State and um, it was very attractive for me to go back to Los Angeles. Uh, I continued to do some freelance TV work. In fact, I was doing cheerleading championships on ESPN. Nice. So if you caught on to the Netflix series Cheer, uh, I was I was in that world for a little bit, which was very foreign to me, but it was a good TV gig. And held on to that while I was doing lacrosse. And then that's when I kind of started interviewing. I realized, you know, I wanted to get back into TV full time. So I started interviewing for jobs and uh, had got an agent and he called to say there's this opening in San Diego. Did I know anything about baseball? And I was like, well, yeah, my dad was like a longtime high school coach in Colorado. And 
pretty much grew up on the baseball field. He's like, great, you'll nail this interview. Go down there. And I was like, okay. And again, at this point, like, it's still not even connecting that it's like for the San Diego Padres <laughs> on a regional television network. Because when we grew up in Colorado, first of all, like most of the women you saw on TV, and we had some great women doing sports in this market. You mentioned Susie Warchin as one of them. Yeah. Sandy Williams, who was at Fox Forever. Marcia Neville, who was doing the prep reporting. Oh, she's incredible, um, yeah. Yeah, incredible. Like, there were great role models to watch on TV. But in terms of a baseball package, like, we had, before the Rockies, you know, we were able to watch TBS or WGN. You got the Braves, you got the Cubs, and it was two people in a booth calling a game. Like, sideline reporters didn't really exist at that point. Pre- and post-game shows really weren't a big deal. Even when the Rockies came here and they were on Fox, like, there wasn't a sideline reporter, really. So all that was a foreign concept to me when I went to interview for this job. I hadn't seen it before, necessarily. So I'm just talking baseball with the executive producer down there. And he was like, yeah, can you keep score? And I was like, yeah. Like, in my mind, I'm like, who doesn't know how to do score? <laughs> and so we're having this great conversation just about baseball. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you're hired. So I was like, great. San Diego sounds cool. So, like, move down there. And it really wasn't until my first game. Like, I'm sitting on the field getting ready to do a pregame hit, and it was the Padres and the Dodgers. And looking around Petco Park, like, all of a sudden I'm in it. I'm in Major League Baseball, and it was just that moment of, like, this is it. This is the sport. Like, this is what I was supposed to do the whole time. But long-winded story to your question of, like, it was never on my radar to come home and work for the hometown team. And then as I got going into baseball, Alana Rizzo was with the Rockies, and we became yeah. close friends. And she was great, too. Like, I adored watching Alana. Yeah, she was fantastic. And um, we became great friends, and I'm like, oh, Alana's never leaving. She's a Colorado native, too. Why would you ever leave that job? Uh, again, Susie, she's never leaving that job. Like, anyone that was a female working in Colorado, like, so, again, never thought about it. And then one day, Alana calls me and is like, hey, I'm taking this job at MLB Network. I know if you want this gig, I'm sure it's yours. I made a call to the executive producer, Ken Miller, at the time, who I had, you know, bit, become close with, with the, when the Rockies were in town to play the Padres. And uh, it was just, like, such a cool opportunity to get to come home. And, side note, super cool, because at the same time, they were hiring Joel Platt. And Joel oh, and gosh. I have a lot of mutual friends, but we never run the same path. Like he grew up in Arvada. I grew up in Aurora. He went to CU. I went to CSU. Um, but, but our mutual friends were always like, you guys should do like a media, to, you know, this is pre-podcast. Like you guys should do like a radio show together or something. They were always trying to pitch us uh, to work together. And here we are, uh, we got to work together and it was just really neat. And Joel was really blossoming on the football side and to get to watch his career skyrocket um, was really cool. That's all, awesome. and Joel Klatt is terrific. I mean, I, I, it He's was a star. He's it, an absolute star. It was always dispiriting watching him curb stomp CSU uh, in the yeah, Rocky Mountain yeah, Showdown. Yeah. We so, don't have to talk about that. So, <laughs> 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 Not even That's all we'll talk about. But uh, I mean, as far as a broadcaster goes, Joel Klatt is terrific. You alluded to something that was interesting to me, and I bear with me as I set this up. But I just read a book called Sellout, and it's about uh, punk bands in the '90s and early 2000s. And with a band like, say, the Distillers or the yeah. Donnas, there, there would be uh, a female-fronted band, and you'd get this from radio programmers that's like, no, we only have one slot for, uh, for a female act, and it's, right now it's like Evanescence or whatever. And what you're alluding to is Susie's not going to leave, Alana's not going to leave, so it seems like there's like a hard like, maximum on the amount of women that can have on-camera roles, and sub-question... It seems like 
women are typically like sideline reporters, not a lot of women in the booth. Um, what's your experience sort of interacting with what, what could be perceived as like, you know, a hard cap on female talent on the air? I think it's changed a lot. Um, I think I had that idea because you hadn't really seen it before. Even yeah. sports center, like you had, um, Linda Cohn, the tokens, so to speak. Yeah. You had Linda Cohn. You never saw two women hosting sports center together. Yeah. Now, if you turn it on, that's not rare to see. You'll see two women on camera together. In fact, you'll watch Laura Rutledge as the host of NFL Live with Nina Kimes on as an analyst. So yeah. roles are changing. People have finally, within the last 10 years, uh, you know, taken a lot of chances to say it doesn't have to look like the normal. And let's actually expand this because the population of fans, the people consuming this, it's about 50-50 when you look across most sports, the NFL, uh, MLB, for cer- for certain, where 50% of the people watching are women, 50% are men. Where's the representation in what they're consuming with it, right? Same with diversity in terms of, you know, ethnicity, backgrounds, where people came from. It's important to make sure that there's representation on screen. I feel very lucky in my career to have been able to be part of that conversation. I feel lucky that I work with a group of people that are very talented, not just in Drew and Huey and Mark and Corey and Philly, and the rest of the gang that we've had along the way the last 10 years that I've been here, but to have decision makers who, you know, are ready to push the envelope to have females in my life that are producers, our directors are behind the scenes where other stops I had been. That's not the case. When you walk into a television truck, you mostly see men. I mean, it's the same as like what you were getting, you know, in front of the camera. But when you walk into our television truck, that's not true at all. You see a lot of women, multiple women in different positions, as well as men, as well as diversity. And um, I think that's just really cool, you know? So, so those people in my life pushing me to say like, what's next in your career? You've been doing this for a long time. You've been hosting a pre and post game show uh, for well over a dozen years. Like, what are you going to do next? Like, what would you want to do play by play? I'm like, oh gosh, no, like I've never... Again, never seen that. Worked with Beth Moens in my career. Yeah. She's fantastic. Felt like it had to be a very passion-driven thing. I just had never thought about it in that way. Um, so in 2018, when I got the chance to call Rockies game, it was raw. It was, you know, I found out the day before, something we had talked about and planned for, but like really had to just rely on my background. But from that moment on, because of the publicity I got locally, nationally, it became a very a very big realization that this is bigger than this is bigger than just me wanting a challenge in my career. This is something that has to be done to start opening the doors. And I'm really proud to say that I was one of three women on the TV side of things that called a major league baseball game this year. Um, Beth Moans called one called a couple games for the Cubs. And uh, my good friend, Melanie Newman, uh, who's a radio voice for the Orioles, also got to call games and call the all-female broadcast on YouTube as well as ESPN. Nice. So it's really cool to see that from 2018, when I very first called the game, to the last couple of years being the lone female calling games in Major League Baseball when I get a chance, to now there were three women who did it this year. Um, it feels like it feels really good to know that, that we're pushing that conversation forward. And when you look in the minor leagues, the bigger storyline to me is I think last year there were six females 
calling minor league baseball games. So the breeding ground to get experiences there now and, and the desire to like grow your craft at a level you can, it's really hard to learn a craft and grow it at the highest <laughs> level, which is what I've had to do. Um, but I've also had to take into that the lesson of just be yourself. And I'm okay that it doesn't sound uh, like a typical play-by-play broadcaster. And I don't think we want it to. No. To your point that you originally made, um, we're very cognizant of like wanting to bring in the next generation of fans to baseball. And we want to appeal to a large audience and, and we want people to come along for the ride with us. So, so it's been fun to explore that and explore something sounding different and, uh, and what it might, what it might turn out to be. Well, you do, you do a great job with it. It's always so fun to listen to. And, I mean, the first one, did you ad-lib that home run call? Because, I mean, we have to bring that up, right? Yeah. So it's funny when you re-listen to it. Like, I don't I, – I kind of, like, stumble over the word shot in the left field because it was not a no-doubter. And, like, to this day, I, it was – honestly, I was, like, in my head, I'm like, is this a line driver? Is this a home run? Is this a line driver or a home run? Like, I'm going back and forth. I'm freaking out. And Philly's going like this next to me. And, like, he swears it was a no-doubter. And, like, Jeff was like, no, that was like a, a like a low-line drive, you know? So it's funny just the difference of, like, what they saw and what I saw yeah. uh, in that moment. But I had talked with Corey Sullivan the day before. We joke around often in the press box of, like, what would your home run call be? You know, writers like to chime in what their home run calls would be. And well, like, it's a there, there was a great sports center commercial where Kenny Maine is like trying out new ones. Yes, you know, exactly. Like, it, it's never right. iffy if it's Griffey. Like, yeah, yeah like yeah. you're spitballing all the time, right. you know, and again, this, this goes back to the downtime of baseball. And like when you're in a press box and the different conversations that are going on. So I never really had come up with like a definitive one. And it happened to me that Sunday, Charlie Blackman hit a home run. I forget who the Rockies were playing, but it was a no doubter. And like, I think I tweeted something about the fountains Nice. and it just hit me. And I was like, how is this not a home run call? Like, so Corey and I are walking out to the set to do the post game show that day. And I looked at him and I was like, I think I have the home run call for tomorrow if I, if I get the chance. And he was like, well, you, you have to tell me because I'm not going to let you embarrass yourself. <laughs> like, this is a true good friend, right? Yeah. So he made me, like, do the home run call. So we spitball it. And, like, by the time we got up to the set, he was like, yeah, like, I like that. You should go with it. So Corey was the only person on our broadcast team that even knew what my home run call would be if I got the chance. My husband also knew because I came home that night and I was so nervous about the game the next day. So he got MLB the show out and he's like, I'm good excuse. I'm going to play this video game. And I'll play Padres Rockies, the game you're going to call and like, just start calling the action, you know? And so he hit a home run in the game and I used it. He's like, yeah, that's sweet. So I, you know, I had it in my back pocket. That's what it was going to be, but I love it. We have a Snoop cam in the booth. So they actually took uh, a video of the three of us. I was calling the game that night with Ryan Spielberg and Jeff Houston. And there's a video of the three of us. And as I call it, like you can tell they're on pins and needles because they didn't know what my call was going to be. And like I said, it wasn't a no doubter. It felt like a blind drive. Was it going to get caught? Who knows? And then, uh, and then I say it and like, they both kind of like pause. And in my mind, you know, that pregnant pause that when uh, you're just waiting for the reaction, it felt like 20 seconds. Torturous. Yeah. And they both were like, and in, I'm glad I got to watch the video back. Cause they were like holding their breath, looking at me. And then we all just kind of like high fived and got it out of the way. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. So it was, it was, uh, it was pre-planned, pre-ordained, I guess in a way, but, yeah. but organic in the moment. 
the and the hard thing about baseball is you never ever know when it's going to happen. Like never know. Literally, I, I I've been. Or go- when there's going to be a 42 minute bottom of the fourth, top of the fourth, <laughs> top of the fourth, 42 well, minutes. Yeah, that's oh, that's a long time. I I mean, case in point, I was at a game this year. I've been going to games now for what 35 years of my life. Caught my first foul ball. I was sitting in the second deck, and the pitcher was up, the opposing pitcher, and I can't remember who it was, but um, I should look that up, and I should really remember that. But um, we're, we're in a place where if the left-handed hitters are fouling it off, it's coming toward us. Yeah. And so I'm watching it, and it hits off the facing on the third deck, and, it, and I'm like, oh, it's coming right to me. And so I just reach up with my right hand, snag it right out of the air. No one fought me for it. Like No one else was paying as close attention as I would. And just, it stuck perfectly. I didn't brick. It was amazing. And I had a beer in the other hand, so I just stick my arms out like this. And I just look, and you can hear the crowd cheer. And I'm like, man, I hope that made it on TV. It did not. But again, like, you never know when something cool is going to happen in a baseball game. It, whether it's personal, whether it's on the field. Whether, like, baseball is amazing that way. And so, that's, I mean, the fact that I get to watch you do that game. And I'm like, I remember her from CTV. That makes me feel good. That's cool. Like, yeah. That's fun. That's just... Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I'll never forget a conversation I had with Vin Scully. Like, I got to do an interview with him one time. I think he had just signed to come back on. It wasn't his final year, but it was maybe year 63 <laughs> of Dodgers baseball. And, you know, I asked him about that same thing. Like, what keeps you coming back? And he said, you know, Jenny, I every time I walk into a ballpark, I never know what I'm going to see that night. And I was like, if this guy's been doing it for almost seven decades and there's still new things that he sees in a baseball game, like that's what makes the sport special. Yeah. And uh, that's always stuck with me. If you never know what you're going to see at a game that night. That's phenomenal. And someone like coming from someone like Vince Scully, that's just so impossibly cool too. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, I know we got to wrap up cause you got another thing you got to get to, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. What's your thoughts? Are we going to have a season this year? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the hot seat question. Um, yes, we are going to have a baseball season. Uh, there's too much at stake. We, we've we seen this play out in a very ugly manner. For those that remember the 90s, 94 was not awesome. We know the tensions are high right now between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. But I think at the end of the day, everyone has a common goal, and that's play baseball. That You know, these these people are just two years removed, like the rest of the country from the beginning of the pandemic, which obviously saw a work stoppage uh, for a lot of people and a lot of different, um, you know, crafts and careers, but sports being one of them. And I think during that time, even as the season got underway, there were heated debates in the public between these two sides. Uh, They finally found a way to play baseball. And when they did without fans in the stands, Uh, Last year, they were able to finally get that taste again. And I talked to so many players about how grateful they were for fans and how much they missed them and the energy. And I just think, like, it's too close. Like, the players realize what they have and how exciting it is to be there and to get to do this for a living. 
yes, it's a collective bargaining agreement. There's things they have to figure out. It's not just billionaires and millionaires fighting. Like there's real things at stake. And right. this only comes up every five years. They felt like they got screwed last time. Um, they feel really unified right now. They feel like, you know, they're going to go for it. But at the same time, I think the calendar will dictate something. We're getting close to spring training being postponed. Yep. And, um, you know, you don't want to get close to the season being postponed. I think when it gets to that point, uh, a deal will have to happen. I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't see us missing regular season games. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I, I think in March, at least something gets, gets settled. Well, I sincerely hope so. I hope your tea leaves are correct because baseball is, I mean, it's part of my soul. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I signed back up for cable is so that I could watch Rockies games. And so without that, I think something's missing. I think everyone knows that, and I hope they get a deal across the finish line as well. So now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Where can people find Jenny Kavnar? Where can they get in touch with you? Uh, anything you want, please plug it. Instagram, Twitter, at Jenny Kavnar. Pretty simple, C-A-V-N-A-R. Um, also, if you need a baseball fix, you can find that on MLB Network Radio every day from 11 to noon Mountain Time until baseball comes back, and then I'll be back on at noon. It's very confusing, but <laughs> it's my show. Okay. <laughs> and then, of course, on AT&T Sportsnet, which, uh, again, when baseball returns, we will be there and be very excited to be there. Very good. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, this was an enormous pleasure. I adore your work. I'm happy to feature you, especially another fellow uh, CSU Ram and student media survivor. So <laughs> That's right. And, uh, man, in everything that you do, I wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thanks, John. And that'll do it for episode 320 of the John of All Trades podcast with Jenny Kavnar, broadcaster for AT&T Sportsnet for the Colorado Rockies. You can also find her on Twitter and Instagram. Links to those will be in the companion blog piece on johnofalltrades.us, also in the show notes. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, or wherever you get your pods, check out the links there. Also, as long as you're there, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It just takes a couple of seconds, means the world to us, helps the visibility, and hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. Episode previews go up on Facebook only. That's on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. If you want to see those previews, the handle is J-O-A-T-Pod, as it is for Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. We do all manner of communications activities. That includes PR, which is kind of my bread and butter. I have a long history of working in that for the last 15 years, but I'll also produce a podcast for you. I've got a bunch of podcasts under my umbrella that I do all manner of production for. So if you want to get a show started, you need technical production, you need technical advisement, if you need a showrunner in general, I will be happy to get your podcast off the ground. D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I'm out of here for this week. Got a brand new episode coming for you next week. Fascinating one. It's a subject we don't talk about very much, but we should all talk about a lot more. Being very cryptic here, you're going to love it. A little bit scandalous. So tune in for that. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.